Welcome to Conquering by Determination, Inside Talks with Heather Fraley. This episode is brought to you by Our Natural Shop, your one-stop shop for quality CBD patches, cream, and oil. You can find them at OurNaturalShop.com and on social media. I want to welcome our guest today, Shane Gadsden. He is a very humble individual. He has played in the NBA. He's played in over 10 plus countries, professional basketball. He has won several different championships and awards. He is very humble. He is a a private individual. And I think that's what was so intriguing to me to get him on and have him kind of open up and share his story and let me dig in and find out who he is and what he's went through to get to where he is today. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here and share my sentiments and thoughts on many things. So thank you for having me. Absolutely. So let's delve in. I kind of like to learn the background of our athletes. A lot of society, they just see the pretty picture in the rainbows and they don't see the different adversities and the setbacks that come along with that to get to where you guys are. And I think that inspires a lot of people. Okay, yes. Well, I'll start with where you left off. I am Shane Gaffin. Um Kind of been a journeyman, uh, raised in New York City, Jamaica, Queens. Didn't really start playing basketball until the 12th grade. Wasn't an AAU player, which was a highly regarded league in New York City at the time. We played for Riverside or Gauchos. And more so, my story was kind of a guy who was grew up by two parents, uh, Wayne Gaston, who was a former legend in New York City, lived in Harlem and Brooklyn, and my mom's from Queens. And my dad was a well-known basketball player. And then when I started coming around, people started recognizing me through my talent. And then they attached me to my dad and was like, I guess you don't know who your dad was, this, that, and third, because my dad was never a bragger. He was very humble about the accomplishments. And what my dad did, he chose to give up the route of basketball. He could have been one of the first NBA players to come from high school. He was getting scouted by high scouts. And uh, Loyola was on his target of schools which was a prominent school back in the 60s and 70s. But he decided to turn that into religion and chose faith over that, which was his conquering and his determination to do so. So myself looked at that as a good thing. I come from a faith-built family. And I just decided to take my talents on my own. What a funny story this is. I had to tell my parents in in high school that I was staying after for tutoring. (laughs) Meanwhile, I was staying after for high school practice, you know, because they wasn't really feeling it at the moment in time. So fortunately enough, I did that. You know, I, I made that choice on my own at that moment. And um, in 12th grade, I began the trial for high school and I made the team. And um, that's when I began my role. And like I said, I was a late bloomer to it. So from there, I decided to go to a junior college, actually a prep school. Growing up in Queens, New York, you know, the influence is not the most positive. So, you know, you either focus or you're not. And you know, one route could be route you. So I was very focused on what I wanted to do, but I, I didn't achieve enough academically by the 12th grade. So I went on to prep school, which was in New Jersey, Faith Christian Academy. And my role continued there, began to increase my academics. And was getting very a lot of exposure from different colleges, but I still wanted to get more, so I chose junior college. Went from junior from prep school in New Jersey to a camp actually in New Jersey where scouts came to watch us, and I stood out. And at Kilgore Junior College, Scott Schumacher, which was one of the most prominent junior colleges in East Texas at the point, 
Texas was very, very known for their junior colleges. Produced a lot of NBA pros, such as Steve Francis. I mean, the list goes on. San Jack was also a great school that was well-known back in the day. So I went to Kilgore Junior College and beginning to start my year of junior college and was doing well. And we had a Christmas break. I came home from junior college back to New York. Unfortunately, got into a car accident, which kind of derailed me a lot, put me back way back where my back was really injured and started to come back to play at Kilgore Junior College, which I was coming back freshman of the year, which was going to be a very good accomplishment for me because, you know, my journey has started late. Very excited to get on my road of Quest, and then I got derailed, which was unfortunate. So once that began, I had to sit back and you know, think of many things of what's going to happen. I'm, I'm in the middle of a, a junior college year with no academics, really. I'm just doing my thing on the court, and here I am at home in the bed and can't come back playing basketball, which was my passion. Mm-hmm. So then, therefore, I'm in New York at the time. Another scout who had recruited me around the time, Scott Schumacher recruited me, Winston Nicholas, who was no longer with us, sleep in peace for him. He then, therefore, came to me and said, man, you're not going to let your talent go to waste. I'm going to help you get to summer school. We're going to start some classes now. We're going to take some online courses. We're going to get some summer courses going. And by the time fall comes around, we're going to load you up with a lot of courses to create your eligibility to play by the fall. Mm-hmm. of basketball season. Fortunately, he was a great guy, one who really, really seen my talent, one who was able to help me get through my adversity and my pain that I was dealing with. Because at that point in time, I was just really low on myself, didn't really have too many hopes for basketball at that moment. He just lifted me up, and I got back to Westchester Community College. I began there, and life creates many different roles, so some good, some bad, and you know, personally, unfortunately for my family, things didn't go too well between my parents, so they decided to kind of go their own route. And we were kind of moving all over the place at the moment in time, from Brooklyn to Queens, from Queens to Brooklyn, you know, just trying to maintain and survive. So at that moment in time, I was working a full-time job. I was also attending school in Westchester, which was about an hour and 30-minute drive from Brooklyn, New York. And... Fortunately, I had a car, but beginning to take that commute every day when you're coming from work and from work from like 5 to 10 at night, and then you got to wake up at 6 in the morning to make it to school by 7, became to get tough on me. So that drive was ridiculous. New York City traffic, I'm sure we all know how that is. It was just, oh, yeah. Oh, man. It was ridiculous. And so Coach kind of see what I was going through at the time, Coach Nicholas, and I don't mind mentioning this. You know, this is part of my story. Well, he asked me, basically, man, I can help you out. Do you want to just stay in the locker room? So, for me, I was just really driven. I was a very driven, ambitious person, still to the day I am. And so the locker room became my bedroom. The locker room became my showers. The locker room became my study hall. The locker room became my classroom. But it also helped me because I was able to sleep a little more, which, which was the good thing. Come from practice, your body needs a little recovery, so I was able to get some more sleep. I would wake up around now 9 o'clock and begin my classes, which I could just walk upstairs and I'll be right on campus. The unfortunate thing, I wasn't able to be around family, which I was very close to my mom and dad at the time, so I wasn't able to see them or my little sisters. So I lived in the locker room. I was able to finish off my academics, 
the team and I was doing well. From there on, we took on what you mentioned earlier, some astonishing accomplishments. We won the first junior college championship of Westchester in the New York region. I also gained some accolades for individual awards, which really made me proud because that was a really painful moment for me to really think back after winning all of this of what I had gone through. From that point on, my GPA was skyrocketing. I was getting a lot of colleges coming in. I was really doing my thing. And um, I decided to go to Oklahoma State for a visit, in which I had a few visits. It was like five on the list. North Carolina actually came in very, very late hearing about me. But by that time, I went to Oklahoma State and visited and just fell in love. Fell in love with the court system, with the small, intimate setting of the city, which is Stillwater. For those that know about Stillwater, a very, very small city. Very, very supportive. And I decided, I didn't even think about it and take no other visits. I just locked and loaded on that one, specifically because I felt the support was there. And mainly, I just wanted to get as far away from the challenges I was dealing with in New York. As far as the environment, as far as lack of resources, as far as the influences. And I just wanted to focus. So I signed to Oklahoma State, and that's when my college career began. Okay. That is a story. Can I take you back to when you were sneaking off to practice basketball and you told your parents that you were tutoring? <laughs> Let's go back to there. Sure. How long did that last? And then is that when you, like, found the love for basketball was in that time? No, the love of basketball actually was through the streets of New York. New York streets is the mecca of streetball. And that's what I am known for. You know, I was a streetball player. You know, I was surrounded by a lot of guys who more so was dealing in the streets more so than going to do the right thing. And I just had my head on focus a little better than there. So for me, that's where basketball and the love began, actually on the concrete of basketball of New York City. As far as me telling my family fibs, which I would call a little bit of fibs more than lies because I didn't feel like I was lying to them, but, you know, I was a little bit. And so, <laughs> Tutoring um, and basketball is a little different. <laughs> <laughs> but you were bettering yourself. You were bettering yourself. I, right, so. <laughs> exactly. So I was learning <laughs> at the same time. I was getting educated by a coach, so that was my tutor. Uh-huh. Uh, but like I said, there was personal things happening in the family. Some disconnects was beginning to happen. So while that was happening, what I was doing became a little bit more of a happy place for people, you know, more so than them finding out and jumped on me and jumped down my throat as if that's not what we told you to do. So the timing of it was actually great. It and it gives you your timing. hiding place and your own space. Correct. It was the hiding place for me and trying to get my brothers and sisters on the same team with me. Hey, tell mom and dad I'm still in class. Uh, it's extended a little more. So <laughs> they was always a great teammates for me. You know, it was helping me out. I had an older brother and an older sister, so they was always helping me out. They was always on my side with that. So that was the best way of how I was able to kind of get around it, so to speak, where they was in a still place of, you know, they'd rather us stay in our focus on different things such as faith and staying away from associates that wasn't a good influence and things like that. So I was able to get around it. <laughs> okay, that's great. Do you care to touch more on the accident that you were in on Christmas break? That had to, anyone, that has to mess with your mind as far as your mindset and feeling like you got set back tremendously. How did you get into that right mindset and realize that you can do this again? You have to get back up. 
Well, the accident occurred in Queens, as I mentioned. I was railed from the back, which put my back and neck out of place. Ambulance came, put me in the ambulance. They put me on the stretcher and locked me down where I couldn't move. At that moment in time, when they put you in those braces, that's when you know stuff is real. And I was in my head looking up to the sky. I can remember this verbatim. What I was thinking was like, this is over. This is over. All right. So everything that was in my, my rear view mirror and my front view mirror was more so now going completely to the wayside. And I'm just thinking like, there's no way this can happen. You know, I'll come back rushing the air. I'm just getting my academics right. I'm in a good space as far as everything is going in my life. And then this happens. So at those moments in time, I thought we all been through painful moments, unfortunate situations, adverse moments where you're like, all right, I don't know if this is going to continue. And once I got the results, it just dampened me even more, such as you can't play this whole semester. We don't know what's going to happen in your future as far as being able to be mobile. So I had to go through tremendous therapy. I had to be focused on that. There was days and moments where I was like, this is it. I'm giving up. There's no way I can continue this. I had nothing but support around me. A lot of encouragement to help me get through. Like I said, I had a lot of faith growing up. I've been a big believer in prayer. I was praying a lot. Those things pulled me through. You know, when you have a lot of support systems, that'll always help. So I was able to kind of railroad myself through and get back on my feet, along with the encouragement of the coach. So having those promises and hopes will always help you pick it back up. And just my nature, just my character, you know, I'm very ambitious. I don't like to stay down too long. You know, one of my favorite movies is Rocky. You get hit down five times, you get back up six. So that's just who I am as a person. And when those negative thoughts seep in, yeah, I did dive into them a few times. I am human. And like I mentioned, you know, I had support, so it helped me get back out of it. Yeah, that helps. That's a big difference when you have that mentor and that support system mm-hmm. that you have. So you mentioned that you were sleeping in the locker room and showered in the locker room. That probably comes to a shock to a lot of individuals thinking, oh, you know, they just see, like I said, the pretty picture. They don't see actually what it took to get to where you're at. What was that like in, in those times? I know you kind of briefly touched on it. I know it had to be hard being away from family. What is something that you said to yourself every day that you knew what you were doing and that's not where you were going to stay forever? You were bettering yourself. The downside of it, to be honest, Heather, it was embarrassing. You were around peers. Your teammates coming in the locker room to get dressed at 8.30 in the morning or putting their books up and they see you sleeping. It's embarrassing. But to answer your, your question, it was my focus. It might have been one of the most worst things I had been through at that time but it couldn't have been no worse than where I was living, which was really bad. So I would have rather taken that situation over than where I was living in that commute, and I could have dealt with the embarrassment knowing I had a bigger focus. And Mm -hmm. what kept me on my drive was the fact that what I was doing every day when I was playing and I was getting better and what really, really pushed me over the edge as far as I could stick this through was, there was a guy named Brad Seisler, who to this day, Rick Carlisle is, was his friend, or is his friend, and Rick Carlisle is the head coach of Dallas Mavericks. I'm sure we all know him. Rick Carlisle came to work me out as a junior college player when he was Detroit Pistons head coach. And when they left that workout, and Brad Seisler, who was a mentor to me, told me he thinks you're a pro. Everything else at that point, Heather, I didn't care if people said this guy's a bum. 
I didn't care if people said this guy is sleeping in the locker room. You know, I didn't have a bed in the locker room, so I'm sleeping on the couch and sit on for team meetings. You know, I'm showering in the big shower locker room where everybody showers. I don't have a dresser. I don't have, you know, a mirror. At that moment in time, all of those things didn't matter. Mm -hmm. Because the confidence I was gaining and building on my focus and my direction was more to me than what I was going through. So having that big picture come to me through different days, different nights, different moments, like I mentioned, that big moment for me was the breakthrough and realizing I can continue this path and get through. I love that you shared that. That's inspiring. There's so many out there that you're going to touch with just that little bit. That's probably was embarrassing to you, but you went through it and you went through it for a reason. And the way that you outcame and the way that you've looked on that, it's just inspiring. And a lot of people don't share those dark times or embarrassing times or intimate times because of what others will think. And those are normally the ones that make a difference in someone's life out there. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. So do you have a favorite player that you played up against in the NBA? Yeah, <laughs> Steph Curry. That I played against in the NBA, Steph Curry will be the number one. I've matched up against Baron Davis, who is also one of my favorite players. He's a retired player, but he's, he's a very well-known famer in the NBA. So those two, I would say, stand out to me right away. Did Steph Curry bring anything to you that kind of betters yourself or that you thought, oh, I, I need to up my game here? Well, I can say more so off the court. Okay. I was a walk-on at Golden State Warriors. You know, I didn't have representation. I was living in the hotel they provided for us. Steph Curry was either a rookie or his sophomore year, but he was still the franchise player of the team. And what really, really struck me was when he came to pick me up in the Hummer and said, you're ready to go to practice. I said, wait, what's going on here? That moment right there was a humbling moment for me. But that's why I could say more so off the court of why I really appreciate what he brings to the game, his humility. You know, he was able to see a light in me, which I've also seen in myself. But for you to come out your way, come get me to take me to practice, was really a humbling moment for me. So that's why I say, you know, off the court, I got to speak up more so, as well as his mm -hmm. talent. I mean, and then if I could talk basketball, I was always speaking of his basketball ability from about 2013 on when I had left the Warriors because I said, this guy's going to be one of the best guards in the league. He would stay in the gym hours and hours and hours after working on many different crafty shots, different footwork shots, different things that's going to make him a longevity player because a lot of players not, won't be able to be playing in the air for long, meaning like, no offense to a Russell Westbrook, who's a tremendous talent, a great guy, but that athleticism will soon wear out. So for me to take on that understanding of what he was doing, I was able to put some things in my little arsenal and my notepad and take it overseas, which allowed me to kind of still strive in the game of basketball longer than I thought I could. So that's why I've mentioned Steph in so many ways. I like that. What is one thing that you regret that you didn't do that you wish you had? If there was whether an <laughs> if there was whether an opportunity or if there was something where you just didn't have the um to put yourself out there and do that and you look back and you're like, Man, I wish I would have done that, that you would tell somebody, just do it. Hmm. I wish I was taught the business side of the game of basketball. If we recollect, remember just run through real quick, street ball basketball, went to these colleges, 
striving off my talent, but not being taught how to play the game. And I mean the game off the court, the game that the business side of people want to see. You know, coming from New York, you get stuck in your ways. You get stuck in a, a mentality. And that mentality kind of rolled with me for a long time. So if I could say anything, it would go back to when I went to college at Oklahoma State. And wanting to be a great player, but not really knowing how to adjust my personality to the surroundings or to the coach, who was a Hall of Fame coach, Eddie Sutton. And a lot of my teammates will tell you to this day, I, you know, Shane was a great player and is a great player. But I just did not know at the moment in time how to adjust my personality to his and how to adjust my game to his. If I would have had more so an understanding and a wanting to learn that side of the business, I think it would have been a, a way different outcome for me in so many ways. So regret in some sense because it could have been a different outcome earlier. But at the same breath, you know, who would I be today if that went that way? So I don't know really if it's, it's so much regret, just more so wish I had known certain things. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's fair. You've traveled all over, like I said, over 10-plus countries. Do you have a favorite country or two that you would move to? Yes, I do. I have a few. Italy was one of my favorites just because of the culture. I'm a foodie. I love food, and the food they were giving was amazing. My pasta <laughs> was chicken with steak every day. Uh, what's the crazy? But then it's the crazy. So many things. And then China. China uh-huh. stands out the most. Uh, once again, I'm a, I'm a huge food person. In China, I would go back literally right now just to eat the food. And the culture of China moves at a high pace. And I kind of like that coming from New York. And Venezuela, South America, taught me that we in America are spoiled. And we don't live in an understanding of what actually unfortunate is. And surrounding areas that are really, really destroyed, that really, really put me in perspective of where we are and where they are. So when I was in Venezuela, I just loved how things was more so done in a natural way, in a natural vibe. There was no one higher than the other. So I was able to appreciate that too. And Israel. Israel was very, 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 very professional. Very, 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 very professional, very clean. I was able to pick up some professional tactics over there, whereas, you know, certain other countries would get paid a month late. <laughs> Israel was paying you a month early, you know, and just the way they did things, it was very prompt. Yeah, so those those would probably be my top four. Okay. Do you have one or two pieces of advice that you would give an aspiring athlete or business owner? Yes. It would be stay determined, stay consistent, have a recycle bin in your own head, meaning trash away the things that mean nothing to you and trash them immediately. Don't sit on them. Don't reflect on them. Don't let outside influences merge you. And more so, when things get rough, look to your support system that cares for your outcome more than for your needs or what they can get up with. And I think just being ambitious and what you want to accomplish will allow you to stay on the road of your path to whatever it is that you call success because success is objective. I like it. Well, thank you so much. 
I appreciate you being on our podcast episode and sharing your background and what you went through to get to where you're at. So Shane, can you tell us now what you have going on in your life and coaching and where your fans can find you right now? I'm here in Georgia, the Georgia area. I'm training a majority of clients out of Buford and I've transitioned into a skills developer coach, basically working on the performance of an athlete as well as enhancing their basketball skills specifically just trying to better their skills because my experience of playing from junco to minor leagues to college to NBA to overseas, I've been able to put the facets of all the games into one and understand how to break the game down to each player, whether their level is juco, prep school, high school, college, NBA, G League. So just understanding how the games are played on different levels me as a developer, I'm able to put those facets into their game and dive into their passions and let them build off of that and try to get them to where they need to be. So right now, I'm currently a basketball skill developer. I love it. And if anybody can Google you or YouTube or find you on social media, the videos that you post, you can tell you have a passion for it and you're good at it. Really appreciate it. Really appreciate you, it. You're really good at it. So where can your fans find you right now? Do you have social media links that are opened up or do you have a website? I'm not big on social media, but understanding where the market is today, I have an Instagram page, which is EFT Redline Training. So that's E-F-T-R-E-D-L-I-N-E-T-R-A-I-N-I-N-G. And that's on Instagram. Other than that, I don't have a Twitter yet. On Facebook, my name is C-H-E. Y-N-E, last name, G-A-D-S-O-N. Okay, and I'll link that below in our description, so don't worry about that. All right, well, thank you so much.